Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short and I'm actually flying solo this week with Drew Silva off. Drew will be back next week though and for all of September as we wrap up the regular season and look ahead to the 2020 season. No, it's never too early for that. We have some fun stuff planned for this, but for this week, I'm going to go over some weekend streaming pitcher options before digging into our mailbag. But to start, the big news of the week is that Jose Ramirez went down with a broken hammock bone in his right hand. He underwent surgery on Monday and will miss the next five to seven weeks, which effectively knocks him out of commission for the remainder of the regular season. Ramirez could return if the Indians make a postseason run, but as far as fantasy owners go, he can be dropped. Obviously, terrible news for the Indians and fantasy owners alike, as Ramirez recovered from a miserable start to the season and looked pretty much like the early round draft pick many fantasy owners were hoping for in the spring. Ramirez was hitting 325 with 15 home runs, 47 RBIs, 7 steals, and 38 runs scored over his final 53 games prior to the injury. Just massive numbers all around, so definitely a bummer. As for replacing him on your roster, pretty hard to do that, but I suppose you could stash an upside prospect like Austin Riley or Michael Chavis, um, rookie rather, um, and you know they've obviously made an impact already this season, both making their way back from injuries. There could be an opportunity for them down the stretch, but other options include Josh Van Meter with the Reds, who qualifies all over the place. Uh, the same goes for Tommy Edmond with the Cardinals, and even Oledmus Diaz with the, with the Astros, who's uh, getting a chance to play right now with Carlos Correa sideline. Diaz probably more short term. Um, he'll likely slide back into a utility role when, or he'll definitely slide back into a utility role when Correa returns. But we know he has some pop in his bat, and again, multi-position eligibility, which is useful. As far as middle infielders go, I think Kevin Newman with the Pirates is interesting, uh, at least as far as replacing the speed and the recent batting average of Ramirez. Uh, the Twins' Jonathan Scope has been swinging the bat better recently. Uh, might deserve more playing time down the stretch here. Uh, Dansby Swanson is back from the injured list for the Braves, so keep an eye on him. Uh, recent call-up Nick Solak uh, with the Rangers is pretty interesting. So, um, you know, there's plenty of options out there in, in deeper and shallow leagues, but uh, yeah, Ramirez is going to be tough to replace. But, you know, you only need a few good weeks from someone, and uh, chances are you should be able to piece it together a little bit over the final month. Um, maybe just playing the hot hand. So uh, good luck to you guys out there. As for weekend streaming options, I put a bunch of them in WaiverWired on Thursday, my weekly column. That should be a regular thing over the final month. Go to rotorworld.com to check it out. But in case you missed it, I'll go over them here as well. 
If you have the ability to pick up players day of, Friday has some appealing options. Anibal Sanchez going up against the Marlins at home. Denelson Lamette pitching against the Giants on the road. Those are more shallow league options, but I mean, those are great matchups uh, if they're out there. And they're available in more than 50% of Yahoo leagues. That was as of Thursday afternoon uh, when I'm recording right now. Uh, a deeper league option is Colby Allard with the Rangers, uh, recent trade acquisition. He gets the Mariners at home in a nice matchup. The Mariners obviously have really faded, and uh, that lineup is not very impressive right now. Allard is coming off a start against the White Sox, where he struck out eight batters and walked none over six and a third scoreless frame. So I'm willing to roll the dice there. Moving on to Saturday, Twins lefty Martin Perez gets the Tigers, which is an automatic start right now as that lineup is just brutal. Miguel Cabrera has been out the past couple of days with biceps tightness, so it's been more sad than usual over the past couple of days. Um, I know Perez hasn't been able to keep up his early season success, but he's been better recently, and like I said, you can't beat the matchup, so um, feel free to go with that one. I'm also willing to give Rangers rookie Brock Burke a shot against the Mariners, um, and Giants rookie Logan Webb as he gets a home start against the Padres. Yes, it's tough trusting young pitchers, but let's be real, it's hard to trust most pitchers this year, so uh, I like those matchups. Um, So if you're in a deeper league, I think those guys make some sense. Sunday is a little more challenging as far as uh, streaming options. Uh, I'll admit that. But I like Dustin May's chances of potentially getting a win against the Diamondbacks. Uh, The rookie allowed four runs, two earned over five and a third innings against the Padres on Monday. And there's a chance Michael Pineda might be out there in some shallow leagues. He was still available in 48% of Yahoo leagues as of Thursday morning. So Maybe that applies to some of you. Pineda has been respectable for a while, and I expect him to keep it going against uh, the weak Tigers lineup. So plenty of streaming options out there in a variety of formats. So we're going to move on here to the Roto World mailbag. I asked for your questions on Twitter over the past couple of days, and, and you guys brought it with some good questions, some about strategy down the stretch here, some about next season. So this should be fun to dig into this. We'll answer a few questions before... Uh, I take off here. We'll get started here with Rob B on Twitter, who asks if Buster Posey is droppable. Yeah, what is the world coming to? But yes, I think he's plenty droppable, and we shouldn't really cloud our analysis with name recognition or past production. Posey just hasn't been very good this year. He actually had a pretty good July, but he's hit just 191 with a 517 OPS in August, so I think the leash should be very short. Uh, Doesn't give you the power many fantasy catchers are providing these days, and Posey's not even giving you a batting average, so I honestly don't see the need to hold on to him. There's plenty of good alternatives out there. The catcher position isn't as bleak as it used to be. Uh, Even widely available catchers are are out there. Youngster Francisco Mejia with the Padres has turned things on recently, and even someone like Tom Murphy with the Mariners has become interesting in a a part-time role. I just ride the hot hand and, and look for matchups, look for teams that are playing the most games in a given week, uh, and try to take advantage of that. Uh, maybe ballparks, stuff like that. Power is easy to find, so um, that's nice, at least as far as the catcher position is concerned. Next up is Tim D on Twitter. He asks if Marcus Semyon and Kyle Seeger can continue their late season surges. The thing about Semyon is that I think he's been pretty good for most of the year, but Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's taken things to a different level over the past couple of months. 
on the whole, I think there's a lot to feel good about with Semyon. Thinking back to, you know, when he first came up with the White Sox, uh, he always took his fair share of walks, but uh, he struck out a lot. He struck out 27.5% of the time over 64 games in, in 2014, essentially his first full season in the majors, I guess, half a season almost. Uh, so you couldn't count on much batting average help, uh, at least in the early part of his career. But Semyon's made some steady progress in that area. Going into play on Thursday, he had struck out in just 14.2% of his plate appearances while walking 11.4% of the time. So that's really nice to see. Remember, 27.5% uh, strikeout rate in 2014, now 14.2%. In fact, only 21 qualified hitters have been tougher to strike out than Semyon this year. He's tied with Anthony Rendon, which might come as a surprise, and just behind Jeff McNeil with the Mets, who's known as a contact machine. So uh, really nice to see that. Of course, Semyon also appears well on his way to posting a new career high in home runs. He's at 24 right now, previously hit 27, 27 back in 2016. So we know he has that power, but the increased selectivity can only help Um, He hasn't really seen an uptick in his average exit velocity, but we've seen increases in hard hit percentage and barrel percentage. So all in all, his stock is trending up, though it's hard to make a ton of noise at a crowded shortstop position, a lot of talent there. As for Seager, he's socked 12 homers over his last 32 games and nine homers in August, his most ever in in one month in his career. Uh, Keep in mind, Seager was hitting just 186 for the year at the start of this 32 game stretch. So it was hard, nay, impossible to see this coming. But here he is with a 250 batting average and an 831 OPS for the year now. That equals out to a 121 OPS plus, his best mark since 2016, uh, really saving his season with this uh, late run. Uh, Seeger has actually trended down the past couple of years and got a late start this year after requiring surgery in mid-March to repair a partially torn tendon in his left hand. But keep in mind, he's still just 31 years old former all-star, seven straight seasons with 20 home runs. I'm sure feeling healthy is a big part of it. Maybe he needed some extra time to get some strength back in his hand. The supercharged baseball is probably helping his case too, giving him an extra boost. But uh, we've definitely seen a jump in Seager's line drive rate and hard hit rates this year. So there's that. Can Seager keep it going? Maybe. Why not? Uh, We're only talking about a few more weeks here. And Seager's always been someone to put the ball in the air. So It's not crazy to think he has a few more homers in him over the final month. Up next from Jeff, he asks, I need a starting pitcher to help me with strikeouts and wins in my league. Season-long, mixed league, 12 teams, 5 by 5 The limited options include Adam Plutko with the Indians, Cal Quantrill with the Padres, and Ryan Yarbrough with the Rays. Please rank. Well, I'd say Yarbrough, then Quantrill and Plutko. Plutko, just not much of a strikeout guy wasn't in the minors, hasn't been in the majors. Plutko does line up for a couple of favorable matchups of the final month, but I have to put him third here. I'm not sure Quantrill is all that good either. Gave up eight runs in his last start, though. It was against the Dodgers, so maybe you have to forgive some of that, but Quantrill was pretty decent before that, showing good control, limiting the damage. Um, Still a pretty good spot for a pitcher in his home games, but I think Yarbrough's the safest. Uh, His strikeout percentage is actually below the league average for starting pitchers, just ever so slightly, but his control is so darn good. He's tied with Hyunjin Ryu for the lowest walk rate among pitchers with at least 100 innings pitched. So I think Yarbrough's the the safe one uh, the rest of the way out of that trio. 
Next, we have a question from Leland. What split stats do you use for deciding on start, sit, hitting options and deciding on starters to stream? And what stats hurt more than they help sometimes? Well, this is a really good question and kind of a three-part question, but um, the thing I, not completely, but definitely disregard for the most part is batter versus pitcher splits. It's just such a small sample in most cases that it's not really worth digging into too much. and it's often telling you false information. Uh, keep in mind that pitchers and hitters are not static beings, and that should be more clear than ever right now. This is a game of constant adjustment. Maybe some of these numbers were from five years ago. Maybe a hitter's changed his approach in that time, changed his stance, changed his setup, going from, for a more launch angle. Maybe a pitcher has added a new pitch or tweaked his mechanics. It's just not worth giving it too much attention. Too many factors at play, ballparks, etc. Just please throw it out. Throw it out. As for the splits I do use, I, I don't overanalyze it too much. You only have so many choices on your roster, so it might come down to a couple of pair, players per night um, as far as who's your, who you're sitting or starting. In that case, I'd consider righty-lefty splits, maybe a pitcher's arsenal, if they're a fly ball, a ground ball heavy pitcher, the home stadium obviously has a ton to do with it as well. Maybe even the defense or an opposing catcher or pitcher if they allow a lot of stolen bases on their watch. So, you know, a variety of factors, but nothing too crazy on an average night. As for starters to stream, again, nothing too crazy, especially at this time of year. You want to just look for great matchups, bad offenses, ballparks, maybe a lefty or righty heavy lineup, and if that plays at the pitcher's advantage. Maybe even the quality of the opposing pitcher and whether that impacts the chances of my pitcher getting a win. Uh, wins are part of the game. That's a category we play with, so you have to look for that too. Lots of ways to go about it. Moving on to a question from Don. How would you rank Mitch Keller, Dylan Cease, Nate Pearson, Michael Kopech, and Sixto Sanchez in a dynasty league? Whew. All promising prospect pitchers. And this isn't easy, especially with Kopech coming back from Tommy John surgery, but I'm going to roll with Nate Pearson first, Blue Jays prospect. He's just been amazing uh, between three different levels in the Blue Jays minor league system this year, making it all the way up to AAA. 205 ERA with 114 strikeouts and just 24 walks in 96 and two-thirds innings. Just dominating stuff, and he'll be knocking on the door soon enough. It gets tougher from this point forward, but what the heck, I'll take Kopech next. I think he has, just has sky the limit upside, and I expect him to come back strong. Uh, Tommy John surgery doesn't scare me off too much. Followed by Dylan Cease, uh, Mitch Keller, and Sixto Sanchez. Again, all promising pitchers, though, so not a slight for Sanchez to rank last on this list. And I should mention Keller. What a, what a crazy start he had um, Wednesday night, but... You know, I still think someone with a promising future. Next up, a question from C. Bowman on Twitter. My trade deadline is approaching. Cody Bellinger seems to have hit a wall. Would you shop him or hold and hope he turns it around? First thing I have to say is, man, tough crowd. <laughs> Bellinger is hitting 222 this month, so there's that, but he's still been plenty productive. He's posted an 876 OPS with 8 homers, 20 RBIs, and 18 runs scored in 25 games. Also stolen a couple of bases. That's a 100 RBI, 100 run scored pace over full season with 50 plus homers. So I think he's mostly fine. 
I guess it depends on the composition of your roster, C. Bowman, but I think you could ask for nearly anything in return on Bellinger. He's that good, and I expect him to continue being good as uh, he makes that last-minute MVP award push. I guess the only thing to watch is if Bellinger gets some days off after the Dodgers clinch. They obviously can afford to give him some rest with such a, a big lead in general. We'll wrap things up here with a question from Steve, who says, I've clinched a playoff spot when my starting pitching is concerning. Any under-the-radar guys I should look at possibly swiping off the waiver wire? Well, under-the-radar is a relative term depending on the depth of your format, but I put two pitchers in waiver wired on Thursday who I think are interesting. Mike Montgomery, who lines up for starts against the Tigers and the White Sox in the coming days. Juicy matchups, to say the least. The Southpaw has a 3.98 ERA with good peripheral since coming over to the Royals from the Cubs, so he's been useful for the most part. A couple of duds in there, but again, with these matchups, I think you want to take advantage of that. Pablo Lopez with the Marlins, not getting a ton of attention, uh, but he's back after missing a couple of months with a shoulder issue. Gave up four runs in five innings in his return Monday against the Reds, but three of those runs came on one swing of the bat. Um, The velocity was good, though, and he only walked one batter, so I think his return was more encouraging than not. Um, He gets the Nationals this weekend, so maybe I'd skip that, but I think after that, he's someone I would potentially one on my side the rest of the way. Lopez showed some potential as a mixed league option prior to the injury. It was pretty interesting, and I think fantasy owners should give him a try next week. He gets the Royals. Again, another nice matchup there. Uh, Johnny Cueto is coming back from the injured list. I think he's kind of a wait-and-see guy. I'm not sure how much the Giants are going to push him, but of course with his track record, again, another pitcher coming back from Tommy John surgery. You know, Cueto, I think, is worth keeping an eye on just because of the past production. So that does it for this week's mailbag segment. Thanks so much for participating, and good luck if you're in your fantasy playoffs. If you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Also consider rating and reviewing the show. That really helps us out as we attempt to spread the word about the show. Again, Drew will be back next week. We're going to start going over pitcher and hitter rankings for 2020, surprises and disappointments from the 2019 season, and even an early round 2020 mock draft over the final month. So stay tuned for all that should be a lot of fun. As always, you can track me down on Twitter at DJ Short, and I'll see you next time. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.